Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santiasteban, and I am one of your hosts. And today we are here with Marv Curtis, and he's a burnout coach. And if it's not timely for you, it's at least timely for me. So we're going to get into all sorts of things that I think entrepreneurs, business owners need to be thinking about in terms of setting boundaries, the whole gamut. So Marv, thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure, Hector. Nice to be here. Thank you. Catch us up and fill us in on how someone gets to becoming a burnout coach. Share a little bit about how you got into that, and then I'd love to know a little bit about what you do and how you help business owners right now. Great. Happy to do that. Actually, it's kind of a long story, but I'll make it brief. Back in the 1980s, my oldest son was checking himself into the hospital multiple times, thinking he was about to die of a heart attack. And this became a problem for us because he was missing school and it was such a distressing thing for him that he was really starting to have suicidal ideation. So this kind of goes back to when he was a toddler at four years old, he'd had open heart surgery and a lot of issues associated with that. He'd had a lot of medical problems as a kid, but because of his hypervigilance, he was always worried about whether he was living or dying. Anyway, We tried to get all the help we could, doctors, meds, whatever, and nothing seemed to make a difference. Although I was in business at the time, I thought, I'm going to have to do more research. So I got into what was then the early stages of what's called energy psychology, which basically is acupuncture, but using pressure instead of needles. So I became trained in that and hypnosis and a variety of other things, and eventually was able to help him overcome those problems. What I learned in the interim, of course, I continued in my business career, but I began to help my employees who had similar problems of anxiety and hypervigilance and so forth. And over the course of time, I began to become aware of the fact that many people in our society experience life more intensely than others. And he was one of them. My wife was one. My mother was one. When I finally retired from my regular work, in business and began to focus on this as coaching, it turned out that most of the people that I started helping on a coaching basis were also of this highly sensitive nature. So then think a little bit about COVID. COVID really ramped up so much for so many people, but burnout was one of the big results of COVID. People became emotionally exhausted, overwhelmed. Many people quit their jobs, tried to reevaluate what they were doing with their life. And What's interesting to note is that it affected some people more intensely than others. I want to talk just a minute about highly sensitive people because COVID affected highly sensitive people, which also includes entrepreneurs, healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, at a much higher rate than it did other people. So what's a highly sensitive person? A highly sensitive person represents maybe one out of six in the population, one out of five in the population. These are people who are highly compassionate, in many cases, highly empathetic. They tend to be very creative, but they also tend to feel things more intensely. So a person like this might experience fluorescent lighting in a way that makes them feel ill. Large crowds might bother them. And there's a lot of different things that come into being a highly sensitive person. But one of the things is the feelings they get when they're talking to other people, working with other people can be disruptive to them. And the way that works is 
not just feeling compassion for them, they sometimes will actually absorb the emotional energy of the person they're talking to or working with. So take a nurse, for example. You know, oftentimes nurses are working with people who are having the worst experience in their life from an emotional standpoint. People who are drawn to that kind of work, nurses, do so because they have a desire to help. They want to help other people. But because they're highly sensitive and they experience emotions more intensely than other people, sometimes they actually take on or absorb the energy of other people as a way of trying to help them. And if they don't know how to manage and release that energy, they begin to see the world through the lens of that emotional distress of the person they've been working with. That's an extreme example, but the same thing happens in any kind of work or any kind of a relationship. If you happen to be highly sensitive, you probably absorb energy from other people, and sometimes you can't let it go. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Does that resonate? (laughs) Too much. And it's something that we'll veer off a little bit here, but I think it's relevant and we'll we'll find that it's relevant in the sense that I have two toddlers, a three and a four-year-old, and I have a wonderful wife. And I've found myself having to fight against the absorption of that. And I've always felt that to an extent. And I have a really big family that always had large get-togethers on Christmas and New Year's. And two hours in, I need to go take a nap just because... (laughs) And my mom thought I was being rude. And I'm like, I'm literally... My body like can't take this right now, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, yes, it resonates. And my fear though, is that it also to someone who maybe isn't able to relate to it firsthand is that it sounds too woo woo. Or when you talk about energy psychology and it's like, Marv, what are you talking about here? So I'm playing devil's advocate. What do you say, or how do you relate to somebody who comes from that perspective where they're not seeing it yet? Yeah. Well, so that's usually the case. Most of the people I work with who are highly sensitive have come to believe that they are all alone in the world. They're different than everybody else. They don't fit in. As a child, they were probably told, you're too sensitive. You need to toughen up. They frequently are shy. So about 70% of people who are highly sensitive tend to be introverts. You don't have to be one in order to be highly sensitive, but it does seem to skew that way. And so they know that they're different. As a child growing up and living in the world, they've had to find ways to cope with the world that feels so different to them. And this is where the problem first starts. Because most people are different and not very tolerant of how sensitive they are, they move into a role that kind of is a people pleaser. They try and avoid conflict by trying to solve everybody else's problems. One of the ways that they try and solve other people's problems is by absorbing their emotions. I see you nodding your head. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know where it traces from, but I am that people pleaser. What I thought my role was in the family was to go and fix everybody's problems, which was their emotions. Someone said to me recently that you are responsible to somebody. You are not responsible for somebody. And that was where, and I think we're going to talk about it a little bit, but is boundaries I was being too responsible, at least what it felt like being too responsible for their emotional state. And even if I was in a good mood and they were in a bad mood, I was absorbing their energy. As you're saying this subconsciously, I'm realizing that, yeah, it comes from that fixing mentality of, can I take this away from you? Right. Can I take that, you know, and especially as a parent wanting to soothe or whatever it is. That's, (laughs) that's a little bit what's coming up for me. Yeah. Well, it's just so common that highly sensitive people are compassionate in that way, that they would 
hurt themselves before they would hurt someone else. They would take on your pain to help you avoid your pain. But the consequence of that is their boundaries are very low if they have them at all. And what happens is they just get overwhelmed, which leads to resentment, which leads to cynicism, which eventually leads to poor performance. Mm -hmm. And so that's the connection between boundary setting, burnout, high sensitivity. But there's some interesting side effects of this that go in. So just like about a fifth of the population tends to be highly sensitive and highly compliant, another subsection, maybe a little bit less, but somewhere around a fifth of the population has a little bit of too much control in them. So on one end, think of this as a continuum. On one end, we've got people who just are dying to help. On the other hand, you've got people who are dying to take that help from somebody else. On the far end of that spectrum might be what we'd call a narcissist, or the far, far end would be a sociopath, a psychopath. These are people who are not very sensitive to other people's feelings, but are desperate to be receiving approval. So magically, these two personalities, highly controlling and highly compliant people, are magnetically attracted to each other. And it creates all kinds of problems because they're not often well-suited. Neither of them really are aware of what they're doing. And so one breaks people's boundaries and one has their boundaries broken. Yeah. Yes and yes. I have another podcast that we're about to launch that's called The Modern Masculinity Show. And so many of the themes about this come up. I'd like to bring it for our audience a little bit back to the performance because what you talk about is so relevant in the sense that we've only got so much attention to be able to bring to our day, our business, our projects. And if that attention is being diverted elsewhere because we're either burnt out and we don't have that attention, you know, it's not there, or it's going somewhere else because we're stewing, we're holding on to the, whatever comes up, it can actually hold us back from doing the things that we need to do in our business. So expand a little bit more on that connection. You listed like three parts to it, right? I'd love for you to kind of dive into how you see this high sensitivity actually translating performance. And if I can make the question a little more difficult, <laughs> I'd love to know, is there a positive, right? We've kind of only talked about it in the sense of challenge. Is there the other side of the coin where there is some benefit to being highly sensitive for an entrepreneur or a business owner? Well, there are massive benefits to being highly sensitive. One is these tend to be highly creative people. They tend to be very outcome oriented. In other words, they get really organized well. Some will lead over into perfectionistic it can go too far, but they're really good at getting stuff done, very task-oriented. Here are some of the challenges. A person who is constantly giving of themselves may get distracted from their own task because they're doing someone else's task. Now, let's talk about some of the other benefits that go on, and I'm going to tell you about one of my clients who's a massage therapist. Interestingly enough, although she was a brilliant physical massage therapist and had just too many clients. She never connected the fact that oftentimes her clients were coming to her for something other than the physical manipulation. And she would describe it to me. She'd say, sometimes I cannot get through the day because I'm so emotionally exhausted. And I said, okay, so let's just stop and look at what's really happening. Your clients have recognized 
that you will absorb their negative energy when they bring it. I said, so when you have clients leave who came in feeling miserable, what do they say? They say, oh, I feel like this huge burden's been lifted off of me. I feel so great. Thank you. And I said, how do you feel? She said, yeah, I feel like I took on their burden and I feel horrible. It is a magnificent gift to be able to take someone's burden from them and take it on yourself. Now, this does sound like high woo-woo, but to somebody who is in an energetic realm or highly sensitive, this makes perfect sense. So she said, how do I do that? She's thinking, I may have to quit being a massage therapist altogether because it's just draining me. I said, there is a difference. It's kind of what you had said. There's a difference between absorbing the energy and letting the energy pass through you. So that's what we might call grounding. Being a conduit for that energy to lift it from the other person and release it for them, it comes to you. And then you be able to release it yourself so that it doesn't drain you or exhaust you. That is an enormous benefit. So imagine that you've got a salesperson, you're asking for practical applications, who has people who come with problems, issues, whatever, but in talking to this salesperson finds enormous emotional relief in the conversation and feels deeply understood as a result. Well, what is the result of feeling deeply understood? Usually, I mean, if I'm thinking from my capitalist mind, that's when they buy. I mean, that's why though it's trust trust if i were to say to you how do you win at business it comes down to two things it's trust or money and most of the time you never got around to money because they didn't trust you enough to keep going i mean no matter whether you're a salesperson or the owner or any other all business is a function of trying to persuade or convince somebody to do something other than what they're currently doing that's the nature it's communication and it all revolves around trust. So people who are highly sensitive help another person feel deeply understood, the result of which is they trust you. Yeah, this is not where I thought today's conversation was going to go. But I am so glad that it is because this energy management part of being an entrepreneur is so important. And we deal with so many fires and putting out stuff and working with clients and team employees. And you know, there's so many opportunities for someone to absorb and deal with these different types of energies. And I, I think the highest performing ones are the ones that are able to best work with that. Absolutely. I want to hear some more tips on day-to-day -day energy management, things that people can do, because I think that'll be really practical. So we're going to get into that right after this quick break. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we're a podcast production company. We try and be the easy button for podcasts or a one-stop shop for podcasts, but more than that, we like to think of ourselves as genius makers. We like to bring out people's genius, and so if you have a mission, a message, a cause, something that you're trying to bring out to the world, but just don't have the time or the tech skills to be able to do it, we can help. Go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y. You can check the show notes for all the details. But with that, let's get back to today's show. Okay, Marv, at the break, we were talking about you know, just how relevant this is. And, and of course, I don't want this to turn into a personal coaching session here. <laughs> However, 
I am curious about, you know, we can even go back to this massage therapist example because there's so much there. As business owners, we have employees, we have team members, we have contractors, we have clients. There's a lot of stakeholders that we're working with. And we're not even talking about at home, right? Then you've got everything that you have to deal with once you walk outside of your home office if you work from home. But there's so many opportunities for our energy to get pulled and distorted and distracted. And so much of what I found is just getting back on center and just getting back aligned so that I can focus on what's important and stuff. And how might someone approach that? Maybe you can share a little bit more about how the advice that you gave to this massage therapist client of yours. But I'm curious what someone might be able to do, you know, on a day-to-day basis to get better with this energy stuff. Sure. So the old axiom, name it to tame it, comes into play here. Simply recognizing what's happening to you and being able to name it or verbalize it, articulate it, is half the battle. For example, in the case of this massage therapist, didn't know what was going on. She just knew she felt crappy after meeting with certain kinds of clients. Once she recognized that she was taking on their energy, it was just this giant aha moment. And she recognized, looking back, that she had violated some boundaries. She knew that she did not resonate and did not enjoy being with this particular client. So at the beginning, we talked about one of the problems with boundaries is as a people pleaser, it's hard to say no. So you have to learn how to say no. In her case, what she finally got the courage to do and recognized would make a difference was she fired some of these clients. She said, you know, this is in the life is too short category to have this kind of a disruption in my life. I can't fit you into my schedule anymore. And it changed her life. Being able to name it and recognize this is what's happening is a big deal. And then being able to say no. I'm going to give you the mastermind words for how to say no the easiest without having to feel guilty. Now, there's a lot of different ways to do it and obviously many different situations. But you just simply say this, gee, you know, that doesn't work for me. It's not confrontative. It's not offensive. It's just, yeah, you know, that's not going to work for me. So many times, sensitive people get put in situations or have demands put on them and they can't say no. It, It violates their internal need to help. But if you can just learn to say, you know, that doesn't work for me, and then just shut up, it's incredibly effective. Well, I think that's just fantastic advice. And the part that perhaps can go unmissed is the just shut up part. To just just, rationalize or defend it. Right, right. Because that would be my my natural inclination would be that just doesn't work for me. And then just to continue to vomit and to continue to, you know, vomit. You talk yourself out of it. Right. I learned that in sales. They said, just ask for the sale and shut up. Just drink a glass of, grab your water and just start drinking until they respond. And I would, you know, sometimes I have to sit there for a while while they were sitting there thinking. But in that same instance, that's all that's needed. And I think that's so valuable. Yeah, I was just going to say, so the next problem is how do you know what to say no to? How do you actually name the problem? How do you know when you're out of sync? So it turns out that people who are highly sensitive also have really great intuition, but they have probably been overriding their intuition in deference to the demands of other people. So one of the things I like to do is help people recognize and remember how to talk to your body, so to speak. That's what I call intuition. So you've got a brain up here in your head. That's your logical brain. You've got a brain down here in your body, which I'm going to call your heart brain or your emotional brain. So you probably took standardized tests 
trying to get into school or for some reason or another, SAT, ACT, something like that. And in practicing for that, people would probably say, go with your first answer. You ever heard that phrase before? Why is that? The answer is this. Your immediate response, your body response is almost always accurate. At least in this kind of work, it's very, very accurate. And the problem is that a millisecond after you get that body response to a question that you ask, your conscious brain kicks in and tries to rationalize why that's not true. It should be something else. So learning how to hear the first answer is really the key to being able to respond to your intuition. So when we say identify the problem, it's partly recognizing when your body is telling you no. So I'm going to test this on you. Okay. So recognize, I'm going to ask you a question and immediately you're going to get an answer that feels true in your whole body. And then you're going to hear a second answer that tries to talk you out of it. So here's the question. Are you ready? What's your favorite color? It's so funny. So blue is my favorite color. And I know that, and I'm pretty affirmed in that. And right after it, I hear this whisper of red, which is what my mom's (laughs) favorite color. It was her favorite color and what she always wanted my favorite color to be. And so it's just so funny, you know, hearing that come up. (laughs) So yeah. Why why is this useful? So the question that I ask people who are highly sensitive and who get dysregulated almost always is, are you holding someone else's energy? Are you seeing this problem through the lens of the energy you've taken on from somebody else? Just identifying that. So when I say name it to tame it, that's what I mean. You're naming the energy that you're holding for someone else. And as soon as you acknowledge that and admit it, almost immediately, its effect or its power diminishes. This is so good. And we could go on for days here because selfishly, this is very much in the world that I'm trying to navigate after 31 years of blindness to it. So I just, I know how important and valuable. And and if you've made it this far, I would imagine that you're open-minded enough to see the value and the relevance to running a business. But if for some reason you still are not there, I would just encourage you to start to pay attention, right? Just start taking notice of how your body is feeling and that separation between your body and your mind. So much of what I'm working through is that, you know, intellectually, they're not always matching up, right? Because the paradigms that I've been given and the beliefs that I've been growing up with aren't fitting to the new mold that I want to be. And so there's this dis... We uh, call it dysregulation. Right. They're not in alignment. They're not synced up. But that first part is awareness. So important. Marv, you teach this stuff. You go deep, and I believe you've got like a webinar series. You've got a lot of stuff out there. I know there's a training that people can get. Talk to us about it. Tell us how people can go and get involved and learn more about it. Sure. So we'll start at the far end. I do one-on-one coaching for people who get stuck. Here's the definition of stuck. You've got a story that you've told yourself logically that doesn't match up with how you feel and believe emotionally. That's what you were just saying. The conflict between those two things sometimes can be so intense that you're immobilized. And I help people break through that on one-on-one coaching. But I also do group training, do presentations to businesses and so far. I have a lot of information on my website, which is marvcurtiscoaching.com. And for people who are listening to this podcast, I have a two-hour masterclass on how to set boundaries. I call it how to say no without feeling guilty. 
And I'd be happy to extend a free coupon to anyone who's watching the show. We'll put it in the notes links. Anybody who'd like to do that is welcome to. It comes with, if you're interested, a free half an hour implementation call with me. I'll make sure that you get it right. No obligation. Obviously, I don't do this out of charity. A certain percentage of those people are going to want coaching, and that's why I do it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that offer, and guys, I'll go jump at that and get involved. You said one out of six. I'd be curious to know if that number is going up as this world is getting a little more intense and stuff. So very excited about that. <clears throat> My last question for you, Marv, is in your opinion, what is the secret to growing or scaling a business? Well, I think first you have to assume that you have a product or a service that you can scale. What I see going on more and more is the digitization of intellectual property so that it can be scaled. A lot of people are stuck in the bind of having what looks like a belly-to-belly, man-to-man, person-to-person business. It's very hard to scale because there's only so many hours in the day that you've got. So I think latching on to digitizing Uh, and formulizing your content in a way that it's transportable is the first step. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful tool that technology gives, but it's still a tool that kind of needs to be pointed. So good. I think that's a great insight. Marv, thank you for being here today, guys. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If there's someone out there who is in the midst of growing or scaling a business or is even thinking about jumping into the entrepreneurship world, we'd love for you to send in this episode. And I would encourage you guys to take one thing from, there was a ton that we got into, but at least one, take one thing, go out and implement it. Let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear about your success. As always, thanks for being with us today, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.